I'm Rob. I'm Nate. And welcome back to Rob and Nate Record a Podcast. And a very good theme month. Yeah. This is week two of Sam Rockwell month. Tonight we watched the 2003 Ridley Scott directed film Matchstick Men. Mm -hmm. Based on a book of the same name. Given my predilection for reading books based, you know, the movies are based on, I'm genuinely surprised I have not yet read this book, yeah. but it's now on my Goodreads, and I'll, oh, okay. be, I'll be reading it in the near future. So, But yeah, it was based on a book, and this movie holds up really well. Yeah, so this is a movie that both Rob and I are big fans of, going back to, sh at least for me, when it first came out on, on DVD. Yeah. And I have not seen it in north of ten years. It's probably been three, four years for me highlighting on something that Nate and I mentioned off mic before we even watched this. It seems as though men tend to like this film and women don't. Yeah. So I, I wanna... don't watch this one as often because my wife doesn't love it. And I do want to talk about that. But I was I was very pleased. It was, I was fun to revisit it, and it's a film that I really loved that I'd kind of not quite forgotten about, and it, it, just, it just holds up. Yeah. And it's just a thoroughly enjoyable film-going experience. Yeah. I, I can't think of an occasion when I've watched this and I didn't end the film smiling. Yeah. It's just fun. There's good laughing moments in this film. It's it's well executed. Yeah. So this is part of our Sam Rockwell month, but he's not really the lead. He's kind of the third wheel. This film yeah. belongs to Nicolas Cage and Alison uh, Lohman. Man, Alison Lohman sells it. Yeah, she's so good, and that relationship with with between her and Cage makes this movie. I think that that wrap up scene, the one year later, mm -hmm. helps sell this movie. It does. Yeah, and uh, this is a spoiler cast, so we should probably talk a little bit about about what the the film is about. Yeah, so Nicolas Cage and Sam Rockwell, Roy Waller and Frank Mercer, respectively, are con men who've been working together. Roy Waller appears to have some severe OCD, and Frank tolerates it, and they are working cons, and Frank keeps talking to Roy about this long con, a guy with a boat that he wants to con. It's a Chuck Frechette, played by Bruce McGill, who my favorite Bruce McGill role was his role on MacGyver. I forget what the name of his character on MacGyver was, but he he was in MacGyver. All right. He's very reliable. Yeah. Anyways, Chuck Frechette becomes their target in the long con, which, as you will come to find out, is a doubly long con, wherein Frank Mercer is conning Roy to steal everything Roy has. It was a complicated con. Oh, yeah. It is a... When you talk about a long con, that is the long con. Mm -hmm. And he... I mean, he has invented Ange the character Angela as Roy's daughter when Roy has no children convinces him that it's his daughter they i mean angela sells you know the, the she con. totally sells it Alice frank could never have itself. pulled that con off mm. without the angela character yeah. and yeah it's it's awesome so ray had been married roy had been married before and his wife had stepped out on him and they gotten divorced and at the time they got divorced she was pregnant and he had basically no contact with her since then and so he never knew you know what came of this pregnancy, this child that may be his. And this kind of gets a little bit into one of the places where, and maybe the book does a better job of fleshing it out, 
one of the less realistic, how did they, they pull some of this off and get some of this information? Because the, the instigating incident had to do with Frank's dependence on a medication. Roy's dependence on Roy's medication. Dependence on medication. But it's, it also becomes apparent, well, the funny part about it is this medication he's supposed to be taking... Did you catch what the medication actually is? Well, that's not till later. The, so the no, pe- the original one. No, what's the original The pink one, one is the Benadryl. Oh, it is Benadryl. Yeah. Okay, that so makes sense. So clearly Frank, because Roy has... So this even is, this is even his, longer con than we Yeah, thought. he tells his psychologist, which was Dr. Klein, played by Bruce Altman, who mm-hmm. surprises Well, not. his first psychologist leaves. We but never see the first That was a con, too. Yeah, I know. Because he was saying he was getting the pills illegally, which was, and he was introduced to the doctor by Frank. Mm-hmm. So Frank has been setting this up all along and has been giving him Benadryl as an OCD medication. And then when he drops him down the sink and he doesn't have the same guy available to use in the con, he, that's when he introduces him to Dr. Klein, who starts pumping him for, for information. That's when, that's when Frank clearly decides he's going to have to take Roy. Because he can't depend on Roy. Because he had, they had this office set up, and they were running a con, and they were, they were conning um, people out of you know a few thousand dollars at they a time. They had kind of a fun double layer con where yeah. they were conning people, in a pretty obvious way about a, a winning a prize for purchasing a water filter. Yep. And then they were posing as the federal agents that needed the routing information. The federal trade commission agents to track down the person who had conned them, and I'm yeah. like, that's. It's clever. And so they get the people to willingly give them their bank information and they go take all their money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it seems apparent that Frank decides to to work Roy for information. You know, he he's pretty sure Roy's got a lot of money stashed somewhere. And so he introduces the Dr. Klein character who gives Roy a new prescription, which in the long run turns out to be a menopause yeah. over-the-counter medication. Soy menopause, yeah. which he calls... Preflex. Yeah. And it's... This movie was great. It's great. Uh, really, you should see it coming from the very beginning. But at least I didn't the first time I saw it. Yeah. And the con is... The, the relationship that comes from the con is so satisfying that you, even even knowing where it's going, you, you kind of want to sit back and enjoy it. Yeah. And at the end of the film, which I'm sure we'll come back to, the little one year later where he re-encounters Allison Lohman because he's now working as a, a remnant carpet salesperson, he gives her this look after they have this conversation of, I'm glad this happened. I'm glad you screwed me over because it allowed him to break free of himself and... And build a life that he actually enjoys. And pursue that cashier that, that yeah. he had that crush Kathy. on. And uh, who's appeared in our podcast before? She was in The Guest. Yes, and she uh, also is on the series The Good Doctor. All right. yeah. And that's Sheila Kelly, by yeah. the way. But it's it's just a wonderful... So, so the, the doctor gets information Dr. From Klein Roy. convinces Roy that he, you know, that he has to sit down and talk with him if he wants him to give him... If he wants Dr. Klein to give him any medication... And he just starts pumping him for information. And this is how he finds out about the ex-wife and the possibility of a child. And that's when they manipulate him and are able to introduce the Angela character. They recruit- this is when Frank is able to basically introduce the con. Yeah, so they recruit this girl. We don't really get a lot of backstory on her. But obviously she was in a position where she needed money to participate 
uh, in this, playing a uh, 14-year-old girl. The actress Alison Lohman was 23 years old uh, when this was filmed. She was born in September of 79. This film came out in September of 2003, so it would have been filmed earlier that year. She's she looks like, even though she's 23, you know, you, you dress like her a, up. A mid-teen. You dress her up right, and she is conceivable as a 14-year-old girl. Yeah. In part because she is only five foot two, and she's got that look. You could easily buy that she's no more than like 16, 17. Hmm. Interestingly, uh, Alice Lohman is now married to a man named Mark Nevelend, who is a director. Uh, they have three kids together, and Nevelend directed... Nicholas Cage in Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance, the 2011 sequel to his Ghost Rider movie. Yeah. I like the look of this film. I like the crispness of it. I was commenting to you that there's an awful lot of glass in it, a yeah. lot of open spaces, which gives it a distinct look. And the, writing, the lighting is often very bright, which I also like. I enjoy that Frank lives in a mid-century modern home, and he listens to mid-century modern music, which gives this film a a very enjoyable soundtrack, including a lot of uh, Frank Sinatra, Bobby Darin, there's some Wayne Newton, Roy Valper. So it's it's fun to look at, it's fun to listen to, uh, it's it's fun to watch. Well, and and one thing I'd mentioned to Nate, Sam Rockwell's character, Frank Mercer, that name comes from a conjunction of Frank Sinatra and Roy Mercer, which are records that, that Nicholas, is Ca- Nicholas Cage's character plays in the film. Mm. But that's how they came up with the name Frank Mercer, Frank Mercer for Sam Rockwell's character. But the majority of the film is about the building of this relationship between the two, as well as the con, uh, yeah. the multiple cons. It's, parts of it still aren't clear to me. Well, I guess they mostly are, but it's such a complicated con that... It is a complicated con. I mean, when you start going back and looking at it and breaking it down, I mean, that really, like, the Frank character really puts in a a lot of work to gather information on Roy before he goes in and fully executes the con. I mean, how long was he, you know, he was with Angela for weeks, Mm. you know, working with her to get her part of the con. One interesting thing I noticed is the first time that she goes to stay the night in his house, she shows up unexpectedly, and he has to go out for this deal that him and Frank have uh, worked up to begin conning the Bruce McGill character. And they show, they cut back and forth between the meeting at the strip club, the Spearmint Rhino, and her hanging out at the house and looking around and exploring. And she's in character the entire time that she's doing that. She seems to be, but she's also just doing research on him. But just her expressions and the reactions she she does is like I feel like this character. She just was being naturally she, her. Well, she 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 was committing. She was kind of method acting this part. Yeah. And I almost feel like if they had explored that character more, and perhaps this is in the book, that she was an aspiring actress. Yeah. And it is set in Southern California. Well, she seems to be basically the same in the one year later cutback. You know, she seems to not be any different than she was as his daughter. Yeah, the, the personality was very, very yeah. similar. That she and, and that's the way they say you should go with acting. Yeah. Let's keep it as close to home as possible. Well, and another spoiler about this movie. If you haven't seen this movie and you're going to watch it for the first time after watching this. You shouldn't have been listening. Well, but one thing that, or anytime you're going to go revisit this film, one thing to watch for, and I pointed this out to Nate partway through this, but 
All of the bad guys in this movie, everyone who's a con man smokes in this movie. And the only people who smoke are the con men. So if you, you know, when you go back and watch this, pay attention to that. You'll be able to start figuring out who is and is not involved in the con based on who's smoking. So, oh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Which includes Chuck Frechette and Dr. Klein. Yeah. I really like Dr. Klein. Yeah. In fact, there's a very early signal that Chuck Frechette is in on, you know, played by Bruce McGill, mm-hmm. is in on the con. And do you remember where that was? Uh, refresh me. The only time you see him smoking is at the Spearmint Rhino. Hmm. Yeah. Another little tell for the con is one of the visits Frank takes to, or Roy takes to his doctor, and he's putting up this false pretense that he's an antique dealer. That's his kind of crappy yeah. cover. Yeah. And so the doctor basically lets him know, I know you're not an antique dealer. I know you're some kind of a criminal. And Roy does his little protest too much moment, and the doctor goes, Roy, my my uh, footstool. footstool is an 18th century Queen Anne. I've had computer programmers comment on what a nice piece it is. And when they cut to it, it ain't no fancy stool. It's just an average It's stool. all rented furniture, as yeah. we will later learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this movie is one of my favorite lines of this movie. Probably my favorite line mm-hmm. in this movie is when Roy is kind of snapping and he goes to the pharmacy to get more medication. This is when he discovers that what he's been taking is an over-the-counter menopause medication. You know, he cuts the line because he's, you know, in the fits of an OCD thing and uh, goes to the pharmacist and somebody in line, you know, comments to him about having cut in line. And he turns to the guy and he's like, have you ever been drug out to the sidewalk and been beaten until you piss blood? I would love to find a setting someday where I could scream that at the top of my lungs like he does in that pharmacy. That's a that's my favorite line in the movie. Yeah, I just, you know, I loved it. I yeah. just really enjoyed this movie. And and we should circle back to this men love it and women don't. So I've never heard a, a really super satisfying explanation, but it is very consistent. So I remember having a conversation 15, more, well, more than 15, 16, 17 years ago with a co-worker when I was working at a furniture store, a lady co-worker, and I was telling them that I'd seen this movie and, and how much I liked it. And I guess she'd seen it too, and she said, oh, Matchstick Man, men always like that movie. Guys always like that movie. And then you mentioned that your wife had said something similar. Yeah, well, I've heard it from several people, but I love this movie, and my wife will occasionally tolerate watching it with me. But while I love it, she doesn't. She just barely tol- she just tolerates it. And I went into this viewing to try with the intent of looking for clues to figure out why that is. Because I, I, I accept that it's true, but I'm not positive why. So did you discover any clues? Well, I, I think it is that just that relationship between Nicolas Cage and Alison Lohman. It's this kind of the mother not mother, the the father-daughter relationship fantasy element of it. That it is kind of a male weepy, but not really. You know, they talk talk about... Yeah. Women tend to like a certain certain emotional content from a film that's very specific. And this is something that doesn't get fed much. And I'm not a parent, so I I don't really know the father-daughter relationship. But this feels vicariously to me like even though it's about a con, it's one of the best father-daughter movies that I can think of. Yeah. Yeah, I enjoy this movie, and one of my favorite... I guess I'm changing topics slightly. 
One of my favorite odd credits in this movie is the boyfriend in the one year later scene. Mm. His credited role is Slacker Boyfriend, played by Fr- Fran Kranz. But yeah, just an odd odd credit. So It's also a nice little bit part for Beth Grant, who's a reliable character actress, who plays a lady at a laundromat that they run a kind of a minor con on. When uh, Roy is supposed to be teaching Angela how to pull a con. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm just. Cons- I'm impressed with how this held up. I was a little bit afraid because it's been a few years since I've seen it. That there was going to be something that, you know, as time passes, a lot of movies suddenly have something that's uh, problematic or a little bit troublesome. There's and- this strange joy to this movie. Yeah, because this is about a man getting taken for everything he owns. A bad man who takes people for advantage of people getting taken advantage of. But it's kind of joyous, and it's satisfying, and it's uplifting. It's these things that, at first glance, it wouldn't seem that it should be. And this is a movie, and this just came to me at the end. It's like this, we can talk about the specific things, about the relationship, about, about the music, and the way it's shot, and the way it's structured so smartly. But this movie is really more than the sum of its parts. Like, I don't understand why it's so good, but I just know that every time I see it, I end in a near joyous state. I'm just, it really is an uplifting film, as improbable as the contours of the movie make that sound. Yeah. Now, going back to our theme of the month, Sam Rockwell, tell me your thoughts on Sam Rockwell's character in this movie. Well, and his performance in general. You know, he's, he's good. And, and you, you like him. Even when, even when he reveals in that letter after, after everything's said and done what he did. He's even likable in that. And he's even like, Roy, I screwed you over, but I like you, dude. And, like, you mean a lot to me, and I'm sorry, but I had to do it. You'd have done it if you were me. Yeah. And so even then you like him. Yeah. His performance is, I mean, this is something we're going to talk about consistently throughout the month, but Sam Rockwell just consistently puts in good performances. Mm -hmm. He's a great supporting actor yeah i was going to bring that up is you know i think last week when we did confessions of the dangerous mind that's that's the only film that we're going to watch this month that really is a sam rockwell vehicle and there's not a lot of films built around sam rockwell because besides he, moon i can't think of another one he excels as a supporting character yeah he's a great character actor and that's what he is here he's, he's great as this character well and he always comes across as familiar you know, just this guy who is familiar, who you know, or you feel like you know, and all those types of things. Just, But just very, very, very consistent. Mm-hmm. Well, final ratings? How would you rate this? Ooh. You know what? I was For most of the film, I'm, I was thinking an 8. But that little coda at the end bumps it up to a 9. And yeah. I'd give it 3.5. Nice. I was going to give it a solid 3. I try not to do half stars on the 4-star scale if I can avoid it. Mm-hmm. And I was, I'm pretty well with you. I'm going to say nine stars on the 10-star scale. Are you familiar with how this did in the box office? Uh, enlighten me. So this had an estimated budget of $62 million. Seems kind of a surprised. lot. Yeah, seems like a lot of money for this. It had an opening weekend of 13, $13 million, a little over $13 million. Had a U.S. domestic gross of $36.9 million and a worldwide gross of 65. I'm actually a little bit surprised that this had such a low US gross. Yeah. But I think this has 
made its money back on DVD and yeah, you know other so. sorts of things. Mm. And yeah, I mean, I know any man our age has seen this film. Mm. You know, this on IMDb has an aggregate score of seven point three stars, mm-hmm. so it's well liked. But we like it a little bit more than yeah. the average. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Any other thoughts to wrap this one up? No, it was it was a pleasure. Oh yeah, it was definitely fun. I'm glad we revisited this. Yeah. I, I went back and forth on whether or not we should do this as a part of Sam Rockwell Month. I'm glad we did. It was yeah. fun. And I'm glad we did it on the podcast. So. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm Rob. I'm Nate. And this is Rob and Nate Record a Podcast. Any other thoughts on this one? No, I think we got uh, we mind, stuff out Mind everything it. out of it? Yeah, pretty much. So what are we recording next? Uh, let's do... You want to do Fargo little, or you want to do... Little things and then we'll do Fargo. Okay. Little things. Testing the levels. The levels are being tested for the purposes of level testing. For the purpose of level testing? Yes. Instead of testing of levels? Wow. Yeah. All right. You ready? We thought we'd switch it up. Yeah.